Wow. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Northwoods Church. I just want to wish you all a happy 4th of July weekend, and don't you want to spend your 4th of July weekend jumping off into a pool like those guys? Wasn't that fun? If I was younger, I'd try it, but not now. All right. Anyway, it's great that you're here. It's a privilege for me to be here. We're in the middle of a series called Unforgettable, and we're five weeks into it. And if you've been here for any of those weekends, you know we've been having some unforgettable, powerful moments. Two weeks ago, we had over 200 men in three combined campuses leading us in worship. And the interesting thing about that is most of those men did not know how to sing when they came in. I guilt manipulated them into coming. I just said, if you have a pulse, you're good. Come on in. And then when they all came in, I was like, oh, Lord, what are we going to do? I hope they can sound good. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, they became worship leaders. And it was so exciting to see the unbelievable things that were going on in those men's lives. When they first started singing, they were singing like this. Like one guy, I remember he was like this in the first service. In the second service, he's kind of like this. In the third service, he's kind of like this. And the fourth service, he's like this. And it was just exciting to see the life change that happened in those men's lives and the impact it had on their wives. I've gotten some notes from their wives saying, what did you do to my husband? And then, and then the impact on their kids. I've even got notes from kids. And so I just want to, if you, men, any of you men were part of that, I just want to thank you again for stepping out by faith and doing that. Thank you so much. Last month, I had another incredible moment. Brad invited me to go to Israel and lead worship with some members of our church. And it was one of the most incredible, amazing experiences of my life. I got to lead worship in some of the most bizarre places that you can imagine. In the desert of En Gedi, by a waterfall very similar to this. I, I led worship on, on the hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus spoke and he, he preached the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and we got to worship there. And we went on a boat across the Sea of Galilee, and on the boat they stopped halfway across, and we worshiped in the boat. And then we went to Jerusalem, and, and we, we worshiped. They took us into this church called St. Anne's. In this church, you're not allowed to talk. And so the tour guide brought us all in, all 44 of us, and there were steps at the front of the church, and we got on those steps, and I thought we were gonna get a group picture or something. I was with the group on the steps, and the tour director came up to us like this, and he goes, I love you, Lord. And he didn't know that most of the group did not know that chorus. Fortunately, I, I did know that one, but there was probably in that group maybe three or four or five of us that knew how to sing. The rest of them didn't. And so the fact that he did this was like, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? And we started singing, and then but here's the interesting thing. When he, we went, I love you, Lord, and he cut us, all I heard from, was like this, I love you, Lord, Lord. The echo in there, it wasn't like, Lord, Lord. It was just like, Lord. And then he went, and I lift my voice on. Kind of like that. And about halfway through that, he realized that they needed help, and he looked at me in the choir, and he goes. <laughs> and I was like, no, <laughs> no. No, I, I can't say anything, so I just walked down, and I just started directing them. And we started exploring God with that chorus and the acoustics of that room. And one time, that little group was singing so loud that at one point, I cut them, and the sound was reverberating for at least 10 seconds. People in the group started crying. Brad started crying. The guys in the tech started crying. When tech people start crying, you know the power of God's there. <laughs> and we finished that thing, 
I was just overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed. I heard this online. If you ever get a chance to look at it, it's a God moment. It's a powerful God moment. And then at the end of it, the tour director told me, like, leave. So since I was in the front, I turned around and the choir followed me and I walked down the aisle and other people, tourists had gathered into that building while we were singing. And as I'm walking down the aisle, these tourists are sitting in these pews and they're going like this. That was an amazing moment, but you know what? The most incredible moment I had in Israel was on the last day. I walked into the shop of an archaeologist who had been doing a a two-year dig from the Pool of Shalom outside the walls of Jerusalem all the way to Jerusalem. And this dig was incredible because it was at the time of Jesus. Where he was digging was, was at the time of Jesus. It was first century A.D. excavating. And he uncovered a lot of artifacts from that. And on his desk was this lamp. And I asked him about this lamp. He said... Oh, that's the lamp. that lamp is over 2,000 years old, and it's from the time of Jesus. This is the lamp that Jesus was talking about in Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13, where he shared the parable of the ten virgins. You know that parable. Five virgins had oil in their lamp. Five virgins didn't have oil in their lamp. And the five virgins that had oil in their lamp got to meet Jesus and go with him. The five virgins that didn't have oil in their lamp, Jesus said this to them. Truly, I don't know you. That's something none of us ever want to hear. And so I saw that lamp, and I want to share it with you right now. This is it. You know, you're probably thinking I'm going to pull out a lantern or something, or some kind of Western thing with a oil and a wick, and you know, you see in cowboy shows. I didn't know that lamp was like this. It's small. This lamp is over 2,000 years old. And inside this lamp is where they pour the oil, and they have a little jar. And they pour oil into the lamp. And then at the very end, you'll see another hole right there. That's where the wick goes. And on this one, it's amazing. The wick is still in there. I can see the wick in there. It's petrified. And this this lamp was originally kind of a pinkish colored pottery. But because it was in the earth for 2,000 years, it's dirty. And um, I'm hoping that I don't drop it. Okay. And so this is a lamp. And when I saw it, it reminded me of something. It reminded me. God just was reminding me, Paul, you need, if you're going to be a light for me, you need to have oil. It reminds me, never do ministry without the oil. Never do ministry, if you do, you're going to burn out. Because if you stick a wick in a lamp with no oil, the wick burns out. If you put a wick in the lamp and you pour oil in there, the wick will burn as long as the oil. And God just reminded me, I have unlimited oil to give you, Paul, but you've got to ask for it. And if you ask for it, you can be a light for me. You can be that city on a hill that shines brightly. And that's my plan for you. And so when I saw it, I I had to purchase it from this man. And he was gracious to sell it to me. Because this means, this was an incredible moment. And there's some lessons, I think, from this lamp that we can glean. Let me see if I can get this on. There we go. The first one is this. We can't be a light without power. A flashlight without batteries is worthless. I have several worthless flashlights in my house. Uh, A car without gas is not very useful. A lamp without oil, like this one, is useless. That's one lesson. The second lesson is we can't be with Jesus without that power. We can't be with Jesus without that oil. And five, according to Jesus' math, five out of every 10 of us are gonna hear, I don't know you. That's pretty scary. And so the goal of this talk is to help you discover that power because it's so powerful. It's a power that can change your life. 
now and for eternity. In Acts 1.8, Jesus was very clear what that power is. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So God gives his power, which is the Holy Spirit. Why does he give it to us? To change the world. We have a lot of misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. Growing up as a kid, I used to think of God the Father as this mean guy that was around clouds and lightning and thunder and he, he messed with fire and if you, you did something bad, he'd send fire down on you and then I, I heard stories about that and then he was mean and if you did something bad, he might flood the earth and drown you and then he would open, create earthquakes and swallow up people and I thought, man, that, that God the Father, he's, he's a mean guy and he's kind of angry. I don't want to get him ticked off. And then I thought about Jesus. I thought, Jesus, you know, he's a nice guy. He's sweet. He, he likes kids. He likes teenagers like me. Hey, he probably cut me some slack. He seems, he seems to be a very nice guy. I just scared about his dad, you know? And then, and then I thought about the Holy Spirit. And this is what I thought about the Holy Spirit. What is that thing? What is it? Is it some kind of ethereal Casper the friendly ghost that flies around and comes around and does things and we don't know what it is and we go, well, I wonder what that was. And the problem is that most of us in our culture don't know who the Holy Spirit is. And so let's be very clear about that. Here's a definition. I want you to write it down. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God's person, God's presence, and God's power given for our daily lives to impact our world. The Holy Spirit is God's person. The Holy Spirit is not an it, not a ghost. The Holy Spirit is a person. God's person, God's presence, and God's power given for our daily lives to impact our world. The Holy Spirit is that. The Holy Spirit helps us to live holy lives. The Holy Spirit helps us to wake up the world to Jesus. So what are we supposed to do with the Holy Spirit? Ephesians 5.18 is a command that we all have. It's not a suggestion, this is a command. God said, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to drunkenness, debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. That word filled means to be continually being filled. Like a lamp needs continual oil to keep the light going. We need to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a daily thing. My lamp will burn out if I don't put oil in it. I can't burn my lamp on yesterday's oil. I need fresh oil for every day. And without the oil, I'm toast. So let me ask you a question. Are you tired today? Are you stressed out? Are you discouraged, maybe? Are you down, dooby-doo, down, down? You know what I'm talking about? Chances are, if you're like that, you're not filled by the Holy Spirit. Because here's what happens. We tend to fill our lamps with a lot of things. You know, we get our lamp and we go, let's see, um, I, I don't know if I, I'm not gonna fill this up with the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna try other stuff. I'm gonna put money in there and see if my light burns. Maybe I'll put fame in here and see if my light burns. Maybe I'll put my hobbies in there and see if my light burns. How about... Facebook. I'll put Facebook in there. That's amazing. How about technology? How about entertainment? How about my career? I'll put that in there and see if that helps me to shine. I'll put busyness. I know busy people seem like godly people. I'll put that in there. Maybe that'll work. I'll put addictions of every kind from shopping to sex in here. Maybe that'll, maybe that'll help me. And what we think will make us happy only leads us to an unfulfilled life and our light goes out. You know what? We learn this principle at a very young age. I have a grandson 
named Lincoln. He's only 18 months old. And he knows a few words. He knows my name, which is cool. He calls me Papa. He only knows a few words, and he, he, and he only knows one phrase. And it's, oh, man. And I shot a video of him playing on an iPhone in Mexican Fiesta two weeks ago. And I want you to check out this video. Isn't he cute? Come on now. (laughs) The truth is we're all like Lincoln. I'm like Lincoln. You're like Lincoln. We try over and over again to fill our lamps with stuff. We we go, let's see, uh, that new car, that's going to be it. That that new car, that new car. Oh, man, that's not it. Oh, that new relationship, that relationship is going to make me happy. Uh, 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 Oh, man, that's not it. You know, you name it. We try and we end up just like Lincoln. Oh, man. And here's what happens. We fill our lamp with junk, and it makes us go, oh, man. And you know what happens when our life is full of junk? We walk in darkness. That's not what God intended for you. We need God's power. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the oil. We need the power to be a light. So how can we be filled by the Holy Spirit? I want to give you four words that will change your life right now and change your life for eternity. If you will apply these four words, you will be a spirit-filled person and it will make a difference in your life. These words, by the way, are, are, are not shocking words. They're not deep words. They're, they're not exciting words. But these words I'm going to give you are powerful words. So I want you to write them down. The first word, if you want to be filled with the Spirit like we're commanded to be, if you want to be a light, you need desire. Desire. We need the desire that David had for God in the Psalms when he was in the desert. And he wrote that Psalm. As the deer thirst for water, so my soul desires for you. David had a deep desire for God. Do you have a deep desire for God? Do you? The truth is that some of you don't have a desire for God. That's a sad fact. You don't desire God's presence. You don't desire God's power because you think you got it all together. Let me just ask you something. Let me just tell you something. If you don't desire God, do you know what you can do? You can ask God to give you a desire. If you don't desire God, ask God to give you a desire. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. If you ask God, he will give you the desire to have a desire. So we need desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Second, we need to repent. Repent. Acts 2, 38. Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will automatically receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, in our society, repentance or repent is a bad connotation. We think of an old guy with a beard on a street corner with a sign that goes, repent or die. In our culture, repent's like, ooh, that's a bad word. But you know that repent in the Bible is a beautiful word. It's a beautiful word. To repent means to turn from your old ways to a better way. It's not a negative thing, it's a positive thing. Repent means to turn from your old ways to a better way. My senior year in high school, senior year in high school, I had a friend and we decided to have a, a dating contest. We decided to see how many, who, who of us could date the most different girls over a period of three months. Now, this is before Christ in my life, this was not wise. 
This was dumb. But I'm a senior. What can I do? I'm just doing it. I think it's cool. So I chased all the women I could chase for three months. And, I, and we couldn't repeat one. Once we dated one girl, we couldn't do it again or we lost the contest. And so at the end of that three months, I dated my wife. She went out with me. And guess what happened? I repented. I repented. I turned from chasing all the girls. I want to chase this girl. She's it. She's valuable. She has deep things. Uh, I enjoy being with her. Chasing all the other girls is kind of shallow. It was stupid. It was a waste of my life. But now I have something to live for. And you know what? I've been chasing that girl for 38 years. 38 years. And she's still worth it. She's still worth it. And guess what? I'm still repenting, by the way. All right? So when we spiritually repent, we give up chasing sin and we chase after God. When we repent, we're saying, I'm tired of trying to be God. I've made a mess of my life. I want a different path with you, God. And the truth is, you and I were never created to be God. And that's why you're unhappy today, because you're trying to be God. You're still searching for fulfillment like Lincoln. That's why you're here. And if that's you, it's time for you to turn from that. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And he'll put us on that new path. It's hard to confess our sins though. You know why? You know what keeps us from confessing our sins? Number one is we don't want to admit that we're selfish. That's hard to do. And number two, we don't want to admit that we have pride in our lives. That's hard to admit. It's hard to, to confess our sins because we don't want to admit that we're a prideful person. Uh, I spent six months, with a, six months with a realtor named Al, and he helped me find a house. And he worked for Tony Robbins, and he was a very successful realtor. He wasn't a Christian. He believed that he, he could do it all himself, and he was very talented and a great gifted communicator, very powerful individual. I witnessed to him for six months to no avail. And um, at the end of it, I called him up and said, hey, I want to take you and your wife out to dinner and uh, to thank you for getting our house. And Al said, Paul, you know, I got a commission on that dude. You don't have to do this. I said, no, I want to do that. Would you go out with Jerry and I? He said, okay. So I took him out. And at the end of that dinner, I said, Al, I just want to tell you something. You know what? You practice more biblical principles than most Christians I know. And you're a smart man. And you do have a lot of power. But you know what? The sad part about your life is that you think that power is coming from you. And you need to humble yourself and acknowledge that that power is coming from God. And until then, it'll be very sad for you, ultimately. And I said, goodbye. That was it. And I thought I would never see him again. Two weeks later, his wife called us and said, um, Paul, do you think it would be possible? Uh, Al wants to take you and Jerry out to dinner, and he wants to know uh, how he can become a Christian. I was like, I don't have time. Sorry, you had your chance. No. <laughs> I got to minister to people. No. no, I didn't do that. You know what I did? Of course I did. So we went out to dinner with him, and I t started talking to him about the difference between a religion which is you trying to make yourself worthy for God and a relationship, which is a gift. And I said, let's go to your house now. Pull out my Bible and we'll go through it. We went to his house. We sat at his table, Dre and Betty and myself and Al. And I started going through the scriptures. I said, Al, do you know that, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? And Al said, you know, I, I know that. He's, I said, Al, do you know that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life? Do you believe that, Al? He goes, yeah, I believe that. I said, Al, do you believe that if you will profess Christ with your mouth and believe in your heart 
that God has raised him up from the dead, you can be saved. He said, yeah, I believe that. I said, well, great, Alan. All we need to do is, is just kneel right here and let's pray and ask him into your life. And he said, he looked at me and said, Paul, I want to do that, but tell me why I don't want to do that. I'd never heard that comment. I was like, what? And I went, immediately I said, Holy Spirit, what, what am I supposed to do? That's not in the book. I didn't, nobody told me what to say. <laughs> I don't know what to do. And the Holy Spirit gave me the word. He says, tell him he has pride. Are you kidding me? That's rude, you know? So I said, Al, you know what your problem is? He said, what? I said, your problem is you have too much pride in your life and that's gonna keep you from finding God. That's gonna be bad. And Al looked at me and he goes, do you wanna kneel here? So we knelt down, we prayed, he asked Christ into his life, and then later he became, and is to this day, winning people for Christ. He's an elder in his church down in Florida, and amazing things happened there. But the, the amazing thing that happened to him was he was willing to admit his pride. And I'm sure that there's some people here in this auditorium who have a problem with pride, and it's keeping you from making that commitment to Christ. And if you would, it will change your life, and this is your time. So let's bow our heads, everyone, and let's pray. If that's you, and you know who you are, I don't know who you are, the Holy Spirit has already been working on you and telling you things that I'm not even talking about because I can't convict you of the sin. I can't convict you of sin to make you want to accept Christ. It will be the Holy Spirit convicting you right now, not me. But I can tell you that if you pray this prayer and you mean it in your heart, not my words, but your words, you can be saved just like Al, and it'll change your life. If that's you, pray with me right now. Just say this, God, I wanna turn from my old ways and follow you. God, I realize that I'm selfish. God, I realize, and it's hard to admit, but I have pride. I think I can do this by myself. Lord, I realize that I can't do this anymore. I've made a mess of my life, God. I want you to come into my life. God, I want you to save me. Jesus, I invite you to be the leader of my life. I repent, I turn from my sin, and I ask you into my heart. In Jesus' name I pray it, amen. If that's you, I can tell you that's the greatest decision you ever made. And we have a, a card here, a bulletin, and in that bulletin is a, is a connection card. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time, just kind of tear it out like this. And then if you would, if you put your name in there and say, you know, I prayed for the first time to receive Christ, just check that out, put your name in it, and then drop it in some of the boxes at the doors. I'm gonna tell you, if you do that, um, it'll, we'll help you grow as a Christian. We won't stalk you. We'll just give you information that will help you grow so that you can develop all the gifts that God has planned for you. And so let's just give God a hand for what he just did here. We don't know what happened, but we know something happened. All right. So the final two words for how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, you ready? Final two words. If we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we need desire. We need to repent. Thirdly, we need to yield. We need to yield. To yield means give, giving someone else the right of way in my life. When I yield, I give someone else the right of way in my life. 
Jesus said Mark, in Mark 8, 34, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny or yield themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Jesus wants us to yield our plans to him. But when we yield our plans to him, we think that we are being limited. But that's not so. Because God has a dream for your life that is bigger than your own dream. Trust me. And here's what I do. I pray this prayer every day, or I try to. And here's my prayer. Holy Spirit, where are you working today, and how can I join you? Yeah, I pray that as many times as I can. Holy Spirit, where are you working right now, and how can I join you? When I pray that prayer, I'm yielding myself to God. I'm saying, God, I have some plans, but your plans are higher. And so, God, um, I used to do this. I'd say, God, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this for you. And God, I need you to bless me doing this for you. That doesn't work. What works is, God, what are you doing? I'm going to join you. And when I automatically join God, I get blessed automatically. You know why? Because God blesses what he does. God does not bless what I do for him. God blesses what he does and me yielding myself to be with him and to follow him and to serve where he's working. If you pray that prayer, it's a dangerous prayer. It will turn your life from very dull to very exciting. I will promise you that. It's gonna require faith and courage on your part, but it's part of being filled by the Holy Spirit. The fourth word is trust. Trust means to let go of your control. Trust means to let go. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you what? Trust in him so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our problem is, is that we don't trust because we all want to be in control. If I ask you, how many people want to be in control? If you're really honest, all of you have to raise your hand. At certain levels, we want to be in control. We, 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 we don't want to let go of something that we think is important because if we think we let go, it'll keep us from having joy. But the fact is, if you do let go is when you get joy. It's when you don't let go, you don't get joy, but you, you don't want to let go because you're afraid that you won't have joy. That's dysfunctional. It's kind of like riding a roller coaster. When I go up on a roller coaster last year with my uh, oldest grandson, Gibson, he's eight years old, we went on the Millennium. He'd never ridden a roller coaster before. I was surprised that he had that courage, but I went because I'm trying to be brave for him. I'm the man, he's the kid. I got on the roller coaster. As we go to the top, he goes, Papa, he goes, let's, let's raise our hands when we go down that thing. I was like, are you kidding me? That's steep. Gibson, I don't think that's very wise. No, I want to raise my hands, Papa. I, I go, I don't, we, we might fly out of there. And he goes, no, let's raise our hands. I was like, okay, okay, okay. I, I want to experience the joy that he has. I want to experience it. Uh, I'll raise my hands. When we got to the thing and we started going down, his hands are like this. He's going, yeah, Papa, this is great. And I was like, ah. And he goes, Papa, why didn't you raise your hands? I couldn't let go. I couldn't let go. I couldn't trust that seatbelt. And that's kind of the way we are. We can't let go, and then we don't have the joy. We need to let go of our fears. 2 Timothy 1.7. God didn't give you the spirit of fear, but he gave you the spirit of what? Of power. The past you can't control. The future you can't control. Because, you know, a lot of times we, we have fears because we think of ourselves in the future. We project ourselves in the future. The only thing is we don't do is we don't project God there because, you know what? God is not there in the future. You know where God is? He's in the now. And guess what? The truth is we can't even control the now. So here's my point. You can't control it, so why don't you just enjoy the ride? 
Just trust God and enjoy the ride. It's like sky jumping. I, I, I jumped out of an airplane. I was tied to a guy. We went there. We were at 14,000 feet looking down. He told me to jump. I, was going to th- I thought I was going to die. I could see myself. The parachute doesn't open. We crash. We splat. It's all over. But right before we jumped, I decided, you know what? I'd rather be surprised if I die than worry about it and have fears about it. I paid a lot of money for this. I just want to enjoy the ride. So I said, I just want to get that out of my head. I just want to trust. I want to trust this guy. I got to trust this guy. I have no options. I can't change anything. I just trust him. I'm going to jump and enjoy the ride. And guess what? That's what I enjoyed the ride. I trust it. We got to trust God. God's with us. The Holy Spirit's in us. We have to trust him. If you can't trust him, you will lose your joy. If you trust him, you will enjoy the ride. All right, application. Two things. If you're gonna be filled with the spirit, you have to learn how to talk and listen to God daily. How to talk and listen to God daily. Talk, when we talk to God, you know what we're doing? We're praying. You know, did you know that the average person breathes every day 21,600 times? If you don't believe me, next tomorrow you can count and see. 21,600 times I breathe. You know, and guess what? If I only took a breath one time a day, I would die. And if you know what? If you only connect with God one time a day, then you're going to spiritually die. So I'm going to give you a spiritual breathing prayer that I think will help you to be Holy Spirit filled. And here's what you do. As many times as you can think of during the day between meetings, whatever you do, whatever you're working at home, whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing, and think of it this way. Every time I exhale, just pray this prayer. God, forgive me of my, of my sins. God, forgive me of my sins. Like, God, forgive me of my sins today. Then when you breathe in, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. Then we breathe out. God, forgive me my sins today. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. You start praying like that, you're gonna start filling up with the Holy Spirit. Try it. Try it tomorrow. Try it today. Try it now while I'm speaking. If I'm boring, start doing that thing. Maybe that'll help you. Second thing, you know what? We, wanna, we, want, we need to talk to God, but we need to listen even more. When we listen to God, you know what, when we listen to God, you know what that is? That's the Bible. Do you know what God sounds like? Do you know what God sounds like? He sounds a lot like the Bible. Wow, hey, maybe we should, maybe we should listen. And let me give, if you're new to this Bible thing and you're trying to study your Bible, let me give you an idea what you can do. If you're studying the Bible and it's new, I, I would challenge you to, to, to do this. First of all, don't pick a hard book like Leviticus or something else like that. Song of Solomon, probably not the book you wanna start with. But start with maybe Psalms or John. And here's what you do. You, 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 start, you, you pick one of those books and then you say, before you read the chapter in, the, in, the, in John, let's say, you open up your Bible and before you start reading, you say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me what God wants me to know about him. Holy Spirit, reveal to me what God wants me to know about him. All right? Then you start reading, let's say, John, one, John chapter one. And you read a whole chapter, by the way, not just a verse. This is not daily bread. This is the Bible, all right? You read a whole chapter and you keep reading that chapter over and over until the Holy Spirit starts prompting you and the Holy Spirit will start prompting you with certain words. There'll be a word that will stick out in your mind. Underline that word and say, Holy Spirit, why this word? 
Why this phrase? Why this part of this chapter? What are you, what are you trying to reveal to me, God? The Holy Spirit will eventually reveal to you what God wants you to know about him. And when he does, you want to journal your prayer of thanksgiving. And you journal and you say, thank you, God, for showing me that you're this. Thank you, God, for showing me how powerful you are. Thank you, God, that even though I sin, you love me. Whatever it is, whatever the Holy Spirit revealed to you, you thank God. You journal your prayer of thanksgiving. And if you do that every day, read one chapter a day, I'm just telling you, you will start filling up with the Holy Spirit of God. So here's the deal. If you don't have the oil and you don't have the power, you don't have the light. And God created you to be a light. This lamp was created to light. But it can't without oil. And you can't either without the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. So I want to challenge you. In your lamp, I want you to pour in desire. Pour in repentance. Pour in trust. Pour in a yielded spirit. When you do that, your light will burn brightly and you will be able to change the world as God changes you. And that journey will be the journey of a lifetime. And then at the end of it, when you face Jesus, you you won't hear this word, I never knew you. You will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Have a great 4th of July weekend. I'm on top of the world.